God knows what you've unleashed on the unsuspecting South. It'll be wine, women, and the greatest movie of all time, all the way with Ringo when he gets the taste for it. Today on the podcast, A Hard Day's Night. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Rick Barrasso, and I, your co-host, Derek Rick Smith, will watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. Derek, how are you today? I am Phantasmo. How are you? I'm doing great. Really uh, excited and, and interested to talk about this, uh, this movie today. But let's talk about last week first. Last week we had Joe Boynton on the show. Great episode. We talked about Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And we had a pretty in-depth conversation about Tolkien, Peter Jackson, and fantasy adaptations in general. So check it out. Check out any of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. Uh, and, and get in touch with on social media. We're the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at Great Movie Cast on Twitter, and you can email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We'd love to start getting some of those in. The views, the views are going the views up. The views are going up. We've had our best month. We've The last couple of months, we've doubled the previous month in, in downloads. So we're getting out to you, and I'm, I'm really excited to have more people listen and get involved. So absolutely, we'd love to hear from you. So, Derek, this week is a Rex pick. Now, you chose the category this time, which was movies from the 1960s. So, and, and you chose A Hard Day's Night. So two questions, I guess. Why movies from the 60s and why A Hard Day's Night? Well, I, uh, I like to challenge myself a little bit. Uh, I think in this, I, I'm one of those people who like, I like classic movies. There's a, there's, there's a good handful that I love. But I'm really a modern day movie viewer, I guess, and it's unfortunate. I want to broaden my horizons and watch yep. older movies. Um, but I sort of fell into an old habit where I was like, yes, let's do the 60s so I can challenge myself. And then I was like, okay, let's do a movie that I love instead of just trying a new one I've never seen. But A Hard Day's Night is one of my favorite movies of all time um, because the Beatles are my favorite band of all time. Um, I had seen it as a kid a couple of times. Uh, it was black and white, and I didn't really, like, I wasn't following along as closely. I liked the other ones more as a kid because Help was in color. Yellow Submarine is a fun cartoon, things like yeah. that. But when I got married, my wife, Gia, was like, let's watch A Hard Day's Night. And she knew every single sound, word. I mean everything from this movie. And while we were watching it, I'd look at the corner of my eye and see her just mouthing every word. Just, and I'm like, how do you know all these like very like weird English comedy sentences? And she's like, oh, this was my babysitter when I was a kid. My parents would go do something and they just put a hard day's night on for me. Wow. No, I don't mean, they don't mean leave the I house. I feel like it's like, too short to be a babysitter. Like it's, I'm not a babysitter. It, it, yeah. it, more like, more like, uh, yeah, instead of shut, like the, shut the kid up. Let's put her on. Yeah. Put, put her on a hard day's night. Yeah. yeah. I have stuff so to do. Mean, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, and I grew to just love this movie. I think it's, 
it's just, it's just really funny and it's it's witty and it's I don't know it's cool. So yeah, uh, Hard Day's Night. It is a 1960s. I guess you'd call it a mockumentary. Really, kind of an early example of that. And it it stars the Beatles. It's directed by Richard Lester, who would kind of direct Superman two uh, later on in life. It's got uh, 7.6 on IMDb. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 96% on Metacritic. Derek, you, so you said you, you saw this a few times when you were younger. Do you, well, let's, let's talk about more your experience maybe with, with the Beatles and when they came into your life. Cause you are, you're probably the biggest Beatle fan I know. And I, I'm a, I'm a fan myself. You can, I'm going to put it on this zoom screen here. My mug with my pens in it is Abbey road. Yes. So, you know, I, yeah, I'm a fan, but you are a super fan. Yeah, yeah. I um, I have a specific memory. I think I was probably about five or six years old. And uh, on the weekends, my dad would be off from work and he would paint. He's a painter and a musician as well. And I remember coming down the stairs and he had like an, uh, a painting on the table, kitchen table's painting. And he had, I think it was the White Album was playing. And I, I this was my first introduction to music. And I remember listening to all the songs and it just felt like really comfortable to me. Um, and this would happen every weekend. I'd come downstairs and he'd put his cassette tape in of Rubber Soul or the Abbey Road or the White Album. And so that was my introduction to music. So it, it, it's deep rooted in me of like, this was the band that started, started off my love for music. Started your love, yeah. Yeah. So... I, I came into the Beatles a little later in life. My my parents didn't really listen to them all that much, so they weren't really introduced to me. And I forget what year it was. Honestly, my you know what my first Beatles album was? It was The Beatles One. Oh, man. Yeah. So I was like, I, I would see these commercials for it, and I'd go, okay, let me... And, and you see this now with so many re-releases and, and things like that. Different generations discover this band as there are revivals and re-releases and things like that but you hear it and go oh my god and you go back and you listen to everything as far as a hard day's night goes this was actually my first time seeing it i hadn't i hadn't seen it before and i i liked it but it's it's a movie that i feel like is more than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. so what we do here when we sort of break it down it's going to be kind of tough because it's it's almost like I, it's almost like in the wrong medium. I don't think it's like this should be like a a special on MTV in nineteen like eighty seven, like <laughs> when they would do when they would have just like it's an it's like an hour and a half with the Beatles and there'll be little skits and there'll be songs and because it's, it's kind of a, like a bunch of they stop and kind of have music videos in the middle of the movie, right? Yeah, I think it was the first time that's ever been done um, in a movie. And, and you know what's funny, too, is that when the Beatles arrived in America in February 1964, they, they were just thrown into, like, you know, to being interviewed and stuff. And everybody couldn't believe uh, America. They, they couldn't believe how witty these kids were. Um, yeah. Not only were they good musicians and good songwriters, but they were funny. All four of them individually were funny. And they were like, can, can they do anything wrong? Like, it was amazing. So, and, and I, I, you know, another cool fact that I've always read about, Billy Joel actually mentions this in a radio interview I heard. He said, when JFK died, he said, America kind of went into this like, you know, deep, deep depression. And, and that was November 63. And then February 64, the Beatles came to America and almost like, you know, right, uh, revamped, up, re- yeah. revamped the spirits of America. I think that's really cool and interesting for, you know, it, cultural purposes. Yeah, it, it really makes you wonder what, 
this decade is going to be after after COVID? And is there an act out there? Is there something that can unite us pop culture wise? You know, like, like right. the Beatles did after Kennedy and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. But let's let's go back in time to 1964. Let's talk about what actually happens in A Hard Day's Night. So, Derek, dare I ask, what, uh, <laughs> what song are you playing? All right. Uh, you know what I'm going to do uh, for my own personal amusement? And we'll talk about this later in the episode because this is a little bit disappointing for me. But I'm going to play a song of A Hard Day's Night that wasn't in the movie. Okay. And it's one of my favorites. It's called Things We Said Today. It's a Paul McCartney tune. All right. So, by the way, check out the movie. It's on HBO Max if you haven't seen it. So, Derek, count me down. We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And I think this one should be a lot easier than last week. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to miss here. But, yeah, I don't think so. Either. Yeah. But, All right. Uh, three, two, one, go. We spend, no pun intended, a day in the life of the Beatles as they are traveling to a TV appearance and get into wacky hijinks and get chased literally by young women. Paul's ne'er-do-well grandfather causes a bunch of problems with his bad attitude. The band eventually performs on TV and escapes the, uh, the throng of people in a helicopter. All right, 20 seconds. And that's pretty much what happens. But like we said before, the, the real sort of beauty in this movie is the, it's almost like you're just hanging out with the Beatles. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and it's, it's a lot more, I guess it's like the, the word that, that came to my head is it's, it's charming. It's not like a traditionally good movie, you know, I right, feel like. Right. And I, I, I'm, it's, but it, it, I, I was very charmed by it because, I mean, I like yeah, these people and they're very right. likable people. I didn't it, like the grandfather. <laughs> it, so it's funny. I, I, think it's, I think it's funny how, like, this, this you know, the, the manager of the Beatles and the Beatles themselves probably, let's make a movie. They got this guy, Richard Lester, and they said, let's make a movie. And his idea was, what can I do with these guys? They're not traditional actors. They don't really act, you know. So yeah. it, I think it was a clever move to be like, let's just show a day in the, like you said, a day in the life yeah. of this band. And we'll make some shenanigans happen and we can put some songs in and it'll promote the album and the band. Um, yeah. And I think it turned out pretty good for what he, what he did. So now that we've talked about really how this movie is uh, more than some of its parts, let's break down our favorite parts of the movie. Um, which is difficult. Which it's going to so be difficult. So uh, it is a run on 87 minute video of uh, it really is. Know. It really is. So, so Derek, what's your, what's your number three scene? All right, so uh, before I even say my number three, I'm going to just give my fourth because it was really tough for me. Um, and I have some funny things about this, but it'll be quick. My fourth favorite was the interviews that they give <laughs> to all these okay. different people in a room. And they just ask them these really random questions. Paul keeps answering, no, we're just really good friends, no matter what anybody asks him. Uh, at one point, one woman asks John Lennon what's his favorite like thing to do. And he writes a word down and shows it to her. Nobody knows this unless you know it really well, but he actually wrote the word tits and showed it to her and she did not know he was gonna do that. Um, so these guys, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're just meeting them for the first time, they're really witty, you know, young 20 year olds and uh, they have a lot of charm to them. So I love that scene. My number three is a tie. Um, and this is, in, in Rick, Rick, you mentioned before, there's a lot of music videos sort of in this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's a tie between two different music segments uh, one of them is I Should Have Known Better, which is the uh, second song on the album, A Hard Day's Night. They're all kind of sitting around on this little like cage in the train and all these girls are like watching them. It's just funny to me watching them lip sync their own song and like not, n- yeah. none of the instruments were plugged in. It was the first time that they were like, 
we can't have a full band set up, so just pretend you're playing it. Um, and one of those girls is actually uh, Patty Boyd, who uh, George Harrison later marries. Um, and the other uh, that, thing, Patty yeah, Boyd, by the way, Layla was written about her, correct? Layla and Wonderful Tonight. Yeah. So she. Uh, and and the song Something by the Beatles. So three. three she songs. was a very. I mean, good for Patty Boyd. She must. She must have been something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, so. Um, the other. Uh, the, so so the, the tie was a sh- I should have known better, and the other one was if the song If I Fell. John Lennon uh, was like, I'll show him. And he starts singing the song to Ringo. He set, set up his drums. And uh, John makes a lot of like faces as he's singing it. Like he's like mentally unstable. Uh, he's kind of a goofball. So those two songs, those two like clips are my favorites. The Tide for Third. Yeah. I, I mean, this is really not like my favorite era of the Beatles. So I, I, I hear you like on the, with the music, but it was just like, it, it's, it's not my favorite style that they, they ended up uh, displaying, I guess, would be the way to put it. But my number three was actually the uh, the chase with the police towards the end of the movie. Okay. And there's a the specifically the guy trying to like steal a car. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's he's like the the Beatles. Ringo is arrested for like kind of nebulous reasons, but <laughs> just walking he's, around. He's, yeah, walking around being a menace and. The, the rest of the, the, the band goes to save them and they get into kind of like a weird, wacky British comedy chase with the police. There's a guy trying to steal a car and he's like laying down under the car as the police are running back and forth. And then a cop, like once he actually breaks open the, the door and gets in, the cop like commandeers the vehicle and be like, chase these men. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I thought it was really funny. What's your, uh, what's your number two? Just to jump on that scene real quick, my favorite part of that whole segment is when they, they, they're all back in the police station and John's out of breath. And the guy's like, are you okay now? And he's just breathing heavy, breathing heavy. <laughs> and, he just takes off. <laughs> and they just all run out again. I love that moment. You done? Um, you done? You done? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, so my number two is actually Ringo's journey. Ringo kind of loses a grandfather at some point. He's just on his own taking pictures and he runs into this little English boy and he tells him about his friend. One of them's name is Ding Dong. And there's a really funny moment where like Ringo's just walking on the sidewalk and a tire rolls up and he just like falls over it. And it's so slapstick. Like you can tell he was waiting for it to come. He could like move on it and fall. And it was just so goofy. And then there's another segment where like Ringo meets some pretty girl and he's like putting his jacket down on the mud so she can walk through. And then she just, <laughs> just falls, falls through a hole at the point. <laughs> and he just walks away and whistles and the cop grabs him. <laughs> Uh, you know, actually, that that scene, I think, was really one of the – and the, I don't know if they played it this way as as well as they could have in the, in the movie, but I thought it was like the one moment in the movie that could have been kind of like poignant is Ringo at this point is kind of out on his own, and he sees this kid like with his three friends. Yeah. And it's, it's so much like if – I mean, if, if we'll talk about it a little bit in a second, but if they were like real actors, it could have been like, oh, these are like, this is really what I, I'm not missing out because I'm with my friends on the road. Right, um, right, exactly. That's a good yeah. point. And yeah, there's, um, th- uh, there's a, a, a fact actually, Ringo was extremely um, hungover the, uh, from drinking the night before. So that whole scene, he always says in interviews, he's like, I was miserable filming that whole scene because <laughs> I felt like shit. <laughs> so... All right. My uh, my number two actually was the uh, the press conference, the yeah. the interviews, because it was just like gag, 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 like right yeah. away. And it's it's just that's the best part of the movie is just them being goofy. Right. And I thought this was this was 
sort of their best, I guess, acting scene. Because they weren't really acting. They were just like, I bet they wanted to like fuck with uh, the press so much all the time. And right. they they probably just like, all right, just go go nuts and like mess with Go them. be yourselves, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is great. All right. So what is your number one? So my favorite scene in the movie is the first scene that they're all in the train. Okay. Um, and they're sitting there. They're all talking. Um, they introduce the, Paul's grandfather. They keep mentioning that he's very clean. Um, it's just a very odd joke. Uh, definitely an English joke I don't get. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the, this other guy ends up sitting in there, and uh, he just gives all the boys a hard time about, you know, doing like, a, like Ringo has the radio playing. And uh, the guy's like, can you shut that off, please? And then he just gives them a hard time to the point where they're just teasing Four him back. Four of us, and like, that's one have, of you. Yeah. <laughs> can we have our ball back, mister? They're outside all of a sudden, outside the train. Yeah. Um, that whole segment, to me, like introduces all the Beatles individually. Like, introduces Paul sort of being the polite one. Uh, John's like, give us a kiss. Like, you can tell he's the witty jerk in the group. And then, you know, George, quote unquote, being the quiet one. Although I, I completely, I don't think that's true at all. And then Ringo being like the funny one. Um, it's kind of cool how they set it up. You, as I'm watching the movie, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I'm trying to like watch very closely to see like how well they do remembering lines. And it seems like it's very quick and they do a really good job doing it because they're not really actors. Yeah. Um, but I really like that scene. I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and it's a good introduction to all four of them. Yeah. So my favorite scene is the opening of the movie and the super iconic, because when you think of this movie, you think of them being chased through the streets. Yep. And I love the gags. It was almost like a PG rated, like Benny Hill uh, yeah, yeah. sketch where they're, I mean, the song's great and they're sort of just running. There's a guy, I, I don't know why this made me laugh so much, just trying to buy a bag of milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the manager. Yeah. Like, what is he, what is he, why does he need a bag of, why is milk coming in a bag, first of all? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's it, funny, I didn't realize it was milk. I thought it was like some sandwich that had like mayonnaise in it at first. It's a, it's a lot of mayo, yeah, no, that's <laughs> just a milk. Like, maybe this is a bag of milk. A, like a milk vending machine? I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> Paul's like fake beard is hilarious. But yeah, I mean, this is this is the scene you think of when you hear Hard Day's Night. It's the, this is the image that pops in your head. Absolutely. And they're just running to the train. So I, I, I really like that. So uh, unfortunately... No movie is perfect. And while there is a lot to like about this movie, let's get into our least favorite part of the movie. Derek, what do you have for your least favorite part of a hard day's night? So this is, this kind of bothered me since the first time I saw it. Um, and I tried to figure out a way around it. And I did find several ways around it. Um, I don't know if people notice because it's just one of those things I did because I'm a big fan, but can't buy me love is played in two separate segments in the movie. Yeah. And there's a whole nother out uh, uh, I don't know, seven songs in this album that could have used for, the, for those segments. Um, when they're being chased around by the cops, uh, that's the second segment of Can't Buy Me Love. That's where I think it should have been, but they do it yeah. earlier when they're all running around in a field and George is like, sorry, we hurt your field, mister. <laughs> um, there's like <laughs> nothing that that scene is so unnecessary. What's funny about that, too, is that John wasn't even there for it. He was uh, doing a book signing or something for his book that he released. So it's just like three of them and some like stunt double or like, some body double for John. So like you didn't even need it. But I guess they were just like, let's just show them running around during a song. But it just it bothers me that they use Can't Buy Me Love twice when there's a whole other half of the album of great songs they could have used. So yeah. that's just kind of my thing. Yeah, I, I had I mean, my least favorite thing, the, the, the Beatles at this point, and understandably so. They're not, they're not actors. They're not great actors by any means. Right. So there's, 
you can't really do much with it. It's not really, like I said, a, a movie necessarily as we would like a, gr a good movie, like we would think of it. You can't put too much on these people at this point to like carry. Right. And, and the people they do get, I feel like I'm not a fan of the grandfather stuff. He's just, he's in it a lot. And it's just like, it even kind of drags Paul down for me because every line about Paul, it's like, you lost me grandfather. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's true. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's just not, it's, again, it's a fun, it's like, if you like the Beatles, watch this movie. It's, it's, it's a fun, like breezy, you know, not even an hour and a half, but you can't do much more than what they did. And I guess that's probably the best way to put it, but I did like it. And let's give out some medals here as you do each week. People who benefited from, you know, were the best in, or you know, impacted the movie. Uh, we get a bronze, silver, and gold medal. Derek, who's your bronze? My bronze is the guy you don't like. Um, I gave it to Paul's yeah. grandfather, who's played by Wilfred Brundle. Uh, the reason why I liked him is because he's the, the thing in the movie that's like, you know, it, it, every movie needs, you know, a conflict. And he's the conflict. And he's, I think he's a pretty charismatic actor for what he had to do. Um, his lines are funny to me. His voice is like really strange. Uh, he's running around trying to get autographs, like sell autographs to kids and stuff. And he's getting into shenanigans and, that is the, um, that's the one part that I like him trying to like forge autographs. Yeah. He's like, he, he like, he like hides underneath the theater and he like steps in something and he like ends up in the middle of an opera. Like it's just yeah. so ridiculous. And then the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the TV director's like, that's, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, but I just thought he was funny enough to, to get like some recognition. I mean, I guess he's necessary because you do need a conflict in the movie. So he is the conflict. Yeah, um, my bronze. I went with George because he gets that that really fun scene that we didn't talk about, where he's like, they think he's he's an actor or something like that, or some kind yeah. of like like they're doing research with him. Like it's it's, but he's he like totally dismisses this this girl, like ruins this woman's career. Yes, because he's like the boys and I just like laugh at him and he like, he's like we, or laugh we, at we turn, him. We turn the volume down and say nasty and things. And say rude things. <laughs> <laughs> he like absolutely like turns this woman's life upside down. And he's like, oh, all right. Okay, see you later. <laughs> and the guy's like, he's like, get out of here, get out of here. He's like, well, don't extend our contract just in case. Yeah. Who do you have for silver? So my silver goes to the TV director, uh, played by Victor Spinetti, who's in all of the Beatles movies. He probably shines a little brighter in the movie Help because um, he's like a mad scientist. But in this movie, I think he's so... He's so stuck up and he plays off of the Beatles humor so well. He's the guy who's like, no, 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 like do what I say. And they're like, no. And he's like, okay. He's like walking around his little like stuffy looking sweater. He's like a stuck up Englishman. And they just make jokes about him the whole movie. And he's like, he's always like rubbing his head. Like he has a headache. Like he's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think he's hilarious. Uh, Victor Spinetti is a, a really, interestingly enough, I always found this odd, but he's like an Italian Englishman. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm an Italian American. Well, you're an Italian American. No, I know, I know, like... but it's, it's like it's it's like that thing where I watched Peaky Blinders for the first time, and they were like Italian gangsters who had English accents. I'm like, I don't understand this, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I guess it makes sense. Um, but yeah, he he gets my yeah, he gets my silver. He was a lot of fun, and, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming you know what my gold is. We'll get there when we get to it. Well, yeah, I, I tried to break it down a little bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My silver went to Ringo, and I think he is. I don't think he's the best actor of them. But I think, at least here, but I think he gets the funniest lines. Yep. I think he, like, he's, he's just, they know, 
it, they're almost like playing into the like Ringo is just the drummer meme. Like there's yeah, the scene, yeah. there's the scene where and they know they like they know right away. It's like all right, this is our this is his role. And he he there's the scene where they get all the fan letters. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and it yeah. comes in and it's like a big handful. It's like all right, John Paul and George, here's your fan mail. And Ringo's like none for me. <laughs> like no. And then, like, just uh, two minutes later, he comes in with, like, an equally sized thing. He's like, these are all yours, Ringo. And it's just like, right. like Yeah. But I think, totally, and, yeah. and he has he has his own little segment we talked about. It. He goes parading. And, yep. uh, yeah, he, he gets to, like, this, like, accidentally have the woman fall down the hole and, like, trip over tire. So I think, I think that was good. One of my favorite parts for Ringo is when he's in the corner of the train smoking a cigarette, looking out the window. And we're just like, what's the matter? And he's like, it's Paul's grandfather. No, he doesn't like me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm short. <laughs> like what? This is so random. What was the what was the deal with the the manager and the, and the road manager? And they they were oh, like, oh yeah, you, he's I'm upset because he's taller than me. Yeah, <laughs> there was like a funny joke where yeah, they're trying to make a funny thing where like that was like a it's British. Not it's, not, it's, not, it's not that I'm taller than you. It's just that you're just shorter than I am. Yeah. Uh, and then, British you know, humor it, is not. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and and you know some of the I mean. I, I wanted to mention this scene earlier because it's actually my favorite moment in the movie, but because it's, a, like you said, the movie's hard to break up in scenes. It's hard, but my favorite English humor, I guess it's English humor, is when John walks by this woman and she's like, oh, it's you. And he's like, no, it's not me. And they just have this really weird conversation that he, both of them don't know what each other's step, talking You're about, stepping on my toes thing. a little bit. Let me go to my gold because it's John. Okay. And, yeah, and, and that scene's great. I think John's the best actor of the four of them. Yeah. Um. And he has that scene, which like, which that made me laugh. And I think the my favorite part of the movie is the running gag with John and Norm feuding. Yeah. And there's like the scene where John's like in the bathtub. And, <laughs> yes. And Norm thinks he like went down the drain. I don't know what he was thinking there. He's like, John, what happened? He comes in from the room and it's like a bathrobe. And he's like, what are you doing? Like what? Uh, but I, I love that it's like, Norm's like, John, I'm going to tell them the truth about you. And he's like, you wouldn't dare. And that's like never revealed what that is. Am I... Right, right. It's so I just wonder, it's like, oh, it's that he's, he's like, he's already cheating with Yoko Ono. Like, is that, is that the secret? Like, right, uh, right. but yeah, I think that's, that's my favorite part. He's the, he's, I think the best actor of the, of the four of them. And he, uh, he has some of my favorite scenes and gets my favorite subplot. So John gets the gold. Derek, I think we know where you're going with this. So Yeah, I, I didn't split them what, up. I, I what thought, four you know, I people think... get your gold? All right, well, we're going with uh, the monkeys in this one. Yes, um, yes. No, seriously, so, uh, which, by the way, obviously the monkeys uh, TV show was completely uh, made because of this movie. Um, but uh, the Beatles in general, I, like I said before, you know, there's a lot of bands, a lot of famous bands throughout the decades, lots and lots and lots of bands. But this band is like... Each of, like I said before, when they came to America, like they all had personalities. They were all funny. They were all outspoken. Um, it was just, I mean, I didn't live through the era, but even looking back, uh, you know, watching the Beatles anthology, like how do you get a band where all four members are talented? They all contribute to the band in some way. And they're all, you know, genuine people. And they're funny. Like, it's just, it's almost like the, the stars aligned with this band. It just, it doesn't make sense sometimes when you think about like, how can you get a perfect band together? You know, and, and people, pe people may put down Ringo and Paul, I think at one point said, if, if the Beatles made 10,000 mistakes in the studio, Ringo made 10 of those. Yeah. Um, saying how, how professional he was. He said when, when, you know, John Paul said, when me and John would bring in eight songs into the studio, we just wrote, 
George and Ringo would catch on to these songs so quickly. It, it's just, yeah, he couldn't even fathom how good they were. So it's just, it's just, it's one of those bands made in heaven. I guess you could say they're the stars in line, but they're all four of them are just, you, you can't have the other three without the other one, yeah. I guess. And, and it really is as talented as all four of them are individually. It's kind of like that movie. The band is more than the sum of its parts. It, right. They, they came together. And the, the fact that, I mean, this is, I mean, they came over to America in 64. Yep. They broke up in 70. Yeah, they were only, they were, they, they, I mean, they were a band, I guess you could say for like maybe 10 years, maybe a little longer, but they were only in America for six. Uh, and the things that they've done, I mean, in it's just six years. Imagine it's 2021. Imagine a band that you first heard in 2015 and they're fucking indisputably the greatest band of all time. And not only that, but I guess they were uh, last year in 2020, they were. Uh, the Beatles sold the most vinyl and CDs of any band in 2020, which is mind blowing. It's crazy. And I mean, good for Michael Jackson's estate for owning the rights to those songs <laughs> and getting all that money. I don't think he does anymore, no, but at the time, he totally yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Uh, and and to, just to speak on Richard Lester, I think he did a good job, but just, like I said, like being like, I don't really know what to do with these guys, but we can just show their, their best colors, their qualities. Yeah, find um, just a, make a goofy, fun movie for the fans. Find a yeah, find a a pot for this lid. You know, it's like uh, it it reminds me weirdly of, uh, and this is this is going to be. You can have your Game of Thrones reference of the week. I'll have my wrestling reference of the week. It reminds me of uh, of ECW, where mm-hmm. Paul Heyman was the matchmaker for this this small independent wrestling company, and there were these people that realistically were like not great technical wrestlers. But he put them, think of like Sandman, you know, and, yep. you know, Tommy Dreamer, all those a little bit better. Yeah. These guys, you know, 911, these guys had one thing they can do really well. And the secret is point them in that direction. Right? Right. And that's what Richard Lester did, I, I, I think, here. And, and yeah. the, the screenwriters as well play to their strengths and yeah, accentuate the strengths, hide the weaknesses. And it's funny, and I know, and I don't like to jump on the movies during this, and I, pr- I promise to make it short, but their next film, Help, is arguably a lot funnier. Um, it's in color, and it's literally like a James Bond movie where, like, some Indian cult is after the Ringo's ring, and it's, I think it's hilarious. It's just a way wacky, longer yeah. movie. It's the, more wacky. Dr- it's, the more drugs they do, the more entertaining they get. Yeah, they, they were yeah. high throughout the entire movie, yeah. just, you know, but I think the movie drags at some points, but it's still funny at other points, but still, Hard Day's Night really captures their magic in a bottle of just let them, we'll give them a script, but just be yourselves. Well, let's, let's, um, let's get to that. Um, you know, what, what does this movie, I mean, let's skip to that. Cause I think the, the thing this movie does better than the other is it's, it's the only movie that like really genuinely shows what Beatlemania was. Right. You know, and, and it does it better than anything. Like think about, how iconic it is they're being chased through the streets and they're you know these these girls are screaming and and you know just beside themselves and right. you know whenever like there's the 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 scene you mentioned where they're they're playing on the on the train and these girls are just around them and it's just that's kind of what that was and right. the fact that so many bands have i feel like gotten to that step where they have the girls screaming and didn't like parlay that into anything approaching what the beatles did is just so incredible and, and, and to, to, to bounce off what you're saying, and, and there's, like you said, there's a band where all the women were going crazy, yet two years later, John says, 
uh, in an interview, um, he's kind of taken off script kind of, he didn't mean to say it the way he did, but he said that the Beatles are more popular than Jesus Christ. And literally there was Beatles burning the whole year. All these girls who were crying over the Beatles were now burning their vinyl in these bonfires in random American cities. And like, they just killed the image of Beatlemania. And then a year after that, Sgt. Pepper is a monumental moment in music. You know what? Um, and, if, so- and if you're and if you're listening, because it's, it's a possibility. It's unlikely. It's a possibility. Someone who participated in one of those Beatles record burnings is listening to this podcast. They're st- they, they're, they could still be alive. They'd be on the yeah, older side. They're still alive. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you're dumb. Yeah. You're a stupid and, and, person. I hope you're smarter yeah, and, now. And, and, and obviously, I mean, at the time, people were like, hey, you, he, John hates God. And now what he was saying was, to children in England, the Beatles are more popular than the church. And that's what he said. And I, and I know right. for a fact, he, he, was, he was made to, he had to apologize. He, he, he was literally forced to apologize. But we all know John didn't want to. Yeah. Um, you know, John, and, John uh, if you really wanted to, would have been like, you know, the Beatles are bigger and better than Jesus. Fuck right. that guy. Yeah. And, and, like, yeah, that's then, what he then, wanted then, to say. And then every, at every moment in their career, it's like two years later, or a year later, Paul's sitting sitting in a, a couch with a mustache, smoking a cigarette, and some guy's asking him, have you done LSD? And he's like, I'm going to answer you, but you're the one who's going to send it out to the kids. Yep. Yes, I, yes, I've done LSD four times. Um, so they just keep, they keep crushing that Beatlemania under their foot, and they just keep getting better. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Like, it's just so strange to me how they just kept getting better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, I'm sidetracking because I'm, I'm a fanboy and a half. I, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. I think um, that they, they, that's what's better than anything else. On top of that, I, I had to put just the music for, for, I mean, there's not, there's not too many movies out there that I can even think of that just have a real band playing themselves in a movie yeah. and being the stars. But I mean, in that category, I'm thinking like, you know, if you're going to do that, don't think you're going to be better than the Beatles and their music. Um, because even in 1964, like I, I tend to listen as a fan, 1965 through 1970 are probably my favorite albums by them, yeah. a little later stuff. But listening to A Hard Day's Night recently, I actually listened to it on repeat, and I was like, wow, I, I, in 1964, like, this must have been so strange to hear this type of music, because it wasn't the end, you know, it wasn't, America wasn't, I wasn't ready for it, you know, it's yeah. very different type of music. And even there's a couple of songs on A Hard Day's Night, the album, Things We Said Today and I'll Be Back. It's Paul song and a John song, and they're very dark sounding. There's a lot of minor keys in it, and it's just, it's, it's not, it's it's very unlike pop music, and it's it's you could tell they were going to go into some different things, and then a couple albums later they're doing Rubber Soul where they're smoking marijuana and trying to do Bob Dylan, and it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so the music, I mean, the movie is just just the best for me. Yeah, and and I mean, let's get into this. I mean, recasting was was tough with this. Is there, I guess, the better way to approach it? And I did not have an answer for this. <laughs> is there is there another I mean, is there another band that could do something similar, like that sort of mockumentary that you would like to see? I mean, you're, you're the music expert here. Is, is there another band that could do something similar to, not necessarily this movie, but follow them around for a day and, that's, and like have them get, go on adventures? Like, who, who else could do that? Right. Well, there, there was an episode of the Monkees where they literally did this. There was literally a hard Monkees are not a real band. They are a fake band. Well, they're not a fake band. They they became a real band, and they're monkeys. You know, they're, they're, the, yeah, the Archies, the the whole thing. Like, well, no, well, the, the monkeys are different because they were manufactured for a TV show. But they all knew how to play instruments, except for maybe Mickey didn't know how to play drums, but he learned. And they actually played uh, live shows in the same year that the show came out. And so they decided to learn. And at one point, Mike Nesmith like punched a wall and told the producer, like, if we're not going to play our own instruments on the on the album, I mean, on the uh, the show and the albums, then we're out. 
they had a big fight because they wanted to be they wanted to be like the Beatles, but of course, who who could do that? Um, but they tried doing that with the Monkees. It was you know it's not you really you, know, you said you can't compare the two. Um, I mean, Zeppelin could you do it with Zeppelin? I don't know. Zeppelin Maybe would be darker though. Zeppelin would be like I mean each each I mean you you could do it, but it wouldn't be like a comedy necessarily. It would you know right. because you'd be like. Oh, where, where's Jimmy? Oh, he's doing like a, you know, a, a magic ritual. Like he's, he's off, like doing his own yeah. thing. I guess, although I, they have that dark sense about them, but every time they are interviewed, they're usually happy-go-lucky. Like, we're just happy to be in, you know, doing a show and they're just doing typical interviews, you know what I mean? So, but the DVDs and the movies made for them were like Robert Plant riding a horse down a, down a beach while a song was playing. Well, it was the, a little bit more sexual, I guess, or something. Yeah, because no I mean, they're like, and I'm sure the Beatles were having their, their fun with all these girls chasing them around, but like Zeppelin is like, I mean, just read Hammer of the Gods if you haven't already. And, and you know, they did this with this girl and it was like, oh, that's <laughs> horrifying. Like, yeah, she seemed to enjoy it, but you know, it's, it's like, wow, that would not even occur to me. So, right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if Zeppelin's, I mean, I love Zeppelin. I don't know if they're a great choice. I, I just don't think there's another band that has the the image that they could do that and not have it be like either too far to one side where it's, you know, it's the monkeys where it's like too goofy and it's like too slight right. to, to like Zeppelin where it's like horrifying in some ways. Not, not, only, the, not only the image, Rick, but like also like the, the charisma yeah has, has any band ever had an impact on music no. where the beatles did the, and, the and only like, it, the only thing i can think of and and it came to it came to mind when i was watching this movie because it's like who what whether band or artist did this and like elvis kind of you know elvis had his his movies he was like a, he was ooh. a he was a, like a pretty major movie star even without oh for sure so you know i i, I don't know who because like i mean bowie was acted a lot of musicians have acted but not as themselves right it just it doesn't seem right if like a camera followed David Bowie around and he got into shenanigans. It almost seems like too forced. This doesn't seem as forced. It just looks yeah. like these guys are playing themselves and it's quirky and that's it. That's really all yeah. there is to it. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny. I mean, I'm bringing up another wrestling thing here, but Chris Jericho. I remember the VH1 100 greatest artists of all time and the Beatles, of course, were number one. And Chris Jericho was interviewed and he was like, "No band has ever made an impact on music or culture the way the Beatles did." Yeah. Like when they grew, when they grew their hair out, we all grew our hair out. When they smoked cigarettes, we all smoked cigarettes. When they grew mustaches, we all grew mustaches. When they did hard drugs, we all got into psychedelic drugs. He's like, "We followed them along, and they changed culture the way nobody ever did." It, you know, and, and a lot of people will argue that it's a timing thing. Like the Beatles were out nowadays, it wouldn't be a big deal. And they but it would have right evolved. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have been what they were. Right. And and I think I actually have a theory because I think there were bands that because we had a had a teacher in in high school who was was talking and it was like there's nobody and this was you know 15 years ago now you know basically talking about the the Beatles and John Lennon more specifically is you know saying at that point and to this day there are no artists that are the leader of a generation. Mm-hmm. you know and i i like i was thinking i was like since you know john lennon was was killed like the only one that had the potential to do it i think was kurt cobain yeah i was thinking that too for yeah. Like, yeah and obviously i mean with his suicide that destroyed generation x in a lot of ways yeah yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what defined it so but there, but now no like who's 
the the most popular artists. I mean, who who even is it right now? That... Well, it's not even. And, and and one thing is like, there's no bands right now that you can even put on the level of any of the bands from the '60s and '70s and possibly the '80s and the '90s. But like, they're all pop stars. They're all just single yeah. female pop stars or, or whatever. Yeah, and that's just like the, Lady, that's just Lady Gaga is very popular, and she's yeah. doing her thing. She's acting too. She's she's a great actress. Star is Born she was great, but she's right. not. I feel like she's not at the forefront of culture in the same way the Beatles were. Right. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going to, you know, we're going to get emails being like, no, 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 here's like, here's this person that's doing that. Like who, I don't know there's anybody out there that's, that's approaching this level of let's just make a movie where they're them, but they're fictionalized versions of them. And it's a, it's right. a huge hit and a classic, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, almost far fetched nowadays to even try something like that. So I'm going to actually, now we haven't discussed this, but I'm going to introduce a new, new category. Okay. Right? And it is the Twitter follow of the week. So we're going to take okay. our, we're going to take our Twitter account. And for every episode we are going to, I've gone back and done this unilaterally. So you can go in and check out who we're following, following yeah, based on yeah, one person, each episode. And we're going to take our Twitter account and follow one Twitter account for each episode. Okay. Give me a little press. This one, they don't need a press. It's going to be at the Beatles. It's the official Beatles Twitter. Okay. So uh, let's, let's do that. You'll, uh, when this episode goes up, you can, you can go to our Twitter. You can see who we're following. Check it out. It's real fun. Uh, let us know if you have, uh, I mean, we're going to announce the next episode here. We'll go, we know what it is. We talked about it last week, but going forward, if you have any suggestions, when we announce the episode, shoot us an email, find us on Facebook, of course, find us on Twitter uh, and we can uh, maybe give some, give a little press to uh, certain uh, or a little uh, shine a light on some Twitter accounts that are worth following. So let's talk about the Oscars that year. This does not get nominated for, for any Oscars, but let's talk about the Oscars that uh, they took place in 1965 for movies in 1964. Let's talk about the major categories. Best picture is one by my fair lady uh, also nominated Dr. Strangelove, mm -hmm. Mary Poppins, yes. Beckett, and Zorba the Greek. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting year. This is actually the sort of start or like you know, the, um, you know, another example of what we talked about in our Oliver episode. Like My Fair Lady's a big studio musical, mm -hmm. kind of like, like Oliver was. So that's, yeah. where, that's where it is right now. I'm not going to Mary Poppins too. Mary Poppins as well, yeah. And I am not going to make a case for Hard Day's Night to be nominated for Best Picture because it's just not, like I said, it's not. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not a it's not a great movie. It's great for what it is. I mean, maybe you yeah, disagree. I, I, yeah. I agree. No, I agree with you 100. I don't think it needs to be there. Um, I don't think it's meant to be this like great piece of like art. Um, it's, it's, but, but what it does do well, it does well, if that makes yeah. sense. Like it did, it did the job of doing what it set out to do. And it's a great little film that you can watch and, and laugh, yeah. you know, it's, but it doesn't need to be at the Oscars by any means. Yeah. So the best director, George Cooker wins for My Fair Lady. Peter Glenville for Beckett is nominated. Kubrick for Strange Love. Robert Stevenson for Mary Poppins. Michael Kakoyanis, I'm going to say, for Zorba the Greek. Uh, so same movies. Um, I mean, it's a fucking crime that Kubrick didn't win. Like Strange Love, I don't love it as much as other people do. I really like it, 
but come on versus my fair lady right i what didn't a, get dr strange love when i first saw it i just didn't get it i was young yeah it's it's one of the i mean i like it i appreciate it but i i don't I'm not over the moon for it like a lot of people are, and a lot of people that I, I truly respect their opinion. So, I mean, it, it, that's that. We'll do that episode. I mean, we're going to watch every movie. We're going to watch all these movies. But yeah, I mean, that's something that we're going to revisit, and we'll let we'll talk about it in that episode. It'll be a good one. But I mean, even even not loving it as much as other people, it's so far ahead of the other nominees that I've seen as far as direction goes. Here's a question: Is there a main actor in this movie? No, there really no. isn't. Okay. I mean, and I think I think the director made that perfectly clear by giving each beetle their own little segments. Yeah. So we'll um, skip that yeah. one. There's there's no significant female parts in the movie, so we'll skip that. No, no. Although Julie Andrews wins for Mary Poppins, so that's interesting. Supporting actor, Peter Ustinov wins for Top Cappy. John Gielgud as King Louis the Seventh of France in Beckett. Stanley Holloway in My Fair Lady, Edmund O'Brien in Seven Days in May, and Lee Tracy in The Best Man. I've only seen one of these. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, not great acting in this movie. I, what I will say, honestly, is you could make a case for best editing. You know, that's really the one that I'd be like, okay, there's, you know, Mary Poppins wins that year for editing, which I think, I mean, with the, cartoon mixing with live action in 1964 that is very impressive but other nominees beckett father goose uh, who knows uh, father goose. hush hush sweet charlotte and <laughs> my fair lady is nominated as well i think we can squeeze it in for best editing father goose by the way is let me just read the wikipedia entry a 1964 American technicolor romantic comedy film set in world war ii starring cary grant leslie karen and trevor howard the it is a code name assigned to Grant's character. All right, so that's Father Goose. Future episode because we're doing every movie ever made, but that might be a while before we get to Father Goose. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be in our eighties for that yeah. one. Father Goose. <laughs> so yeah, I think with the with the music, like I said, it is very much almost like a forerunner of music videos. Right. So I think, you know what? Sorry, Father Goose. We'll revisit you, but uh, I think you're out and uh, and a hard day's night is in. So that's it for the Oscars. Derek, now's the time. <laughs> now is the you time. Funny, I'm going to stop you right there. Yep. Every time you say this, I completely forget this is a segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every should, single time. You should probably write it down. But now is, the, funny, now is the time where we're going to throw 30 seconds on the clock for Derek. And he's going to explain just why a hard day's night is the greatest movie of all time derek are you ready i'm ready let's do it all right i'm gonna give you three two one go three two one go is this the greatest movie of all time well one can argue that the beatles are the greatest band of all time and uh i argue that pretty hard um, this is a really fun, light uh, film about four lads from Liverpool who are uh, touring and they, and they get into shenanigans and it's a lot of fun. And there's, there's some funny jokes in here. I think, I think you think it was cute. I think you should check it out. It's the Beatles. Come on. All right. Good job. 27 seconds. And uh, that is that. So 
that was a hard day's night. Check it out. Like I said, HBO Max. It's uh, it's a fun watch, especially if you're a Beatles fan, if you're a fan of sort of 1960s culture or British culture, early 60s, I should say. Because late 60s get weird. Um, but hmm. yeah, check it out. Super fun. Next week, it's a Rick's pick. Down, down, down. And I don't know why Rick, I yeah, I don't know why I did it either, but okay, I'll take it. I've chosen Psycho, the 1960s, very different movie, 1960 uh, thriller, suspense, horror movie uh, by Alfred Hitchcock, because we haven't talked about Hitchcock at all. No, we haven't. So I do want to uh, thank you so much for listening this week. Again, check us out on social media on facebook we are the greatest movie of all time podcast twitter at great movie cast and email us at the greatest excuse me at greatest movie pod at gmail.com for now i have been your co-host rick barrasso and i've been your co-host derek the wreck smith and we've been working like a dog <laughs> good night everybody keep watching